0: Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to talk about WWDC. It's been announced, and there's an invite. We might read the tea leaves there. Apple Pay Later is now official, but only to select users. iOS 16.4 came out, 16.5 Beta 1 is out, and I'm going to review Apple Music Classical. This episode is brought to you by Factor Meals and Collide, and joining me to talk all the news, my friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes?
1: Okay, Stephen, uh, just trying to get woke up over here, Dra- dragging me out of bed and doing a podcast.
0: <laughs> I see, you should record it in bed that's a whole different energy right there right,
1: yeah under the blankets right Re- under the blanket reduce just, the echo
0: yeah it's just you know hold the usb microphone under the blanket you'll get great sound that way no zero echo all right well first big news we got to talk about wwdc the announcement went out this past week march 29th it came out but june 5th june 5th through 9th is wwdc for 2023 worldwide developers conference where we will expect to see ios 17 iPadOS 17 new mac os and possibly the long-rumored VR or mixed-reality headset. We'll talk about
1: Possibly not.
0: <laughs> possibly not. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But it is official, official. Greg Joswiak tweeted, hoping the week of June 5th comes around SWIFTLY with a capital S. That's a nod to the developing language of SWIFT. Exciting, though. That is official. It looks to really be focused again on video presentations rather than a live stage announcement the language talks about share a video experience for that week with the keynote on June 5th, that there will be an in-person portion of the event via the lottery system. But Apple expects most people will be tuning in via video and that's really where they're gearing it. So I imagine it will be those pre-produced videos again.
1: They go door to door and invite the press. They want to be there. And then the developers have a lottery to see who can show up. And it's like, I don't know, a thousand people or something. It's, it's really small. I think they're going to keep it this way mm, yeah. it leans into apple's secrecy it leans into the fact that um, steve jobs theater doesn't hold as many people as like Moscone west and stuff like that i don't think that it needs to change i think this is perfectly fine um before the wwdc when it was more stage directed more in person more networking and all of that yes it was better for the people who attended but it never really acknowledged all the people who were not able to attend and now they've gone out of their way to produce these really well done sessions these outstanding keynote videos And i I just i don't see us going back to any kind of stage presentation it doesn't make sense
0: yeah this might be it for a long time although with the whole rumored mixed reality will it come at this wwdc we still have a mac pro floating around out there that is supposed to be announced at some point, you would think that for those big releases, Apple might have done a live on stage event. But it really doesn't feel like it's going to be that, which then raises the question, are they going to have a big hardware announcement?
1: Well, think about it. When was the last time they announced anything on a stage? Oh, I mean, they notion. haven't even announced any of the recent iPhones. Or, I mean, I saw people saying that. it's like, they have to come on stage and show it, right? No. they. Like, when was the last time they did that? that nothing yeah, that's announced, true. especially since COVID started. just It's all been pre-recorded video. And I again... They are super proud of those things. They love those things. I I remember the first one they did with high fidelity of the videos. And we're like, is this what WWDC is going to look like? Because that was like in March or whatever. That was when the world was locking down and we knew that in-person WWDC wasn't happening. And they just leaned into it right away and gave us this really crisp uh, production video for the Magic Keyboard and, and the cursor support for iPad. And then here we are three years later, and yeah, this is, this is their bread and butter now. They're, they're killing it, and no one else in the tech field has come even close to these kinds of presentations.
0: Uh, you have me curious now. The last in-person event...
1: It would have been October 2019, I think.
0: October 2019.
1: Because they announced uh, AirPods Max over a press release in December, and the March event was the iPad keyboard, and that was virtual.
0: Right, Are you I mean all the Apple silicon lineup has been via video. There's been no mm-hmm. in person announcements for that, and that was a huge change. you know the m one iPad pro, the Mac Studio has been video. so you have a point, like Apple has been announcing lots of new products, even new product categories without in-person events so yeah this might be it
1: we have some nostalgia for steve jobs walking out with a manila envelope and pulling out a macbook air yes but there's also things that we we seem to forget (laughs) and we always dread the uh, game presenters to come out and play their video game live on stage (laughs) because it's so exciting
0: yeah that's a little
1: bono touching fingers with tim cook uh to launch their (laughs) free album for everyone to love Those are fun and I enjoyed those presentations, but I enjoy these way more and I've been talking to a couple of people who really miss the old presentation style and are like, dang it, I really wanted this to be the one where they're like, come and watch us on stage. And obviously, this isn't it. And like in person live sessions and all of that. It's like, no, uh, even like everyone at Apple has talked about how amazing this is. Like the engineers having to give these sessions, yeah. pre recorded video all the way, they love it. It's yeah. more, they, they're comfortable with it. They can retake certain scenes if they need
0: to. Like, it's great. It's great. So, the last thing I just want to talk about the invite, which is kind of this rainbow, not even half circle, but kind of these arches. There's been some thought, I think it was MKPhD said, oh, this is definitely a VR lens, like refracting or whatever. It's supposed to look like a lens. And then, you know, maybe they're bringing the Mac Pro trash can design back and this is like part of the whole circle trash can, which, I, no, I don't actually think that. But most likely, it is probably just that theater that is set up in the middle of Apple Park in the grassy area that has the rainbow for the stage. Like, I don't think there's anything more to read into it than that, but. You know, I'll welcome any theories from people on Twitter and Mastodon. That's fine.
1: It reminds me a lot of how light refracts through glass or a, like a bubble. Right. They did the bubbles a few years ago. I don't think this, this means anything. It means they have a rainbow bridge. pointed it out. It's like, if you look closely at the bottom of the rainbow, it looks like the silhouette of a headset. I'm like, no. No, oh, no. I <laughs> no. don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know if we want to get into this now because it feels like it fits in. We've, we're already hearing that the headset is possibly been pushed back.
0: We'll talk about it now. There was an article, supposedly, and this is quoting from our article, I'll put it in the show notes, eight anonymous current and former employees told the New York Times they are skeptical about Apple's headset despite Apple's apparent glossy demonstration of the technology. There was Mark Gurman in his newsletter was like, Apple held this demonstration for the top 100 Apple executives and, you know, those supposedly like flashy demos or whatever. But now there are rumors that Maybe not going to be announced because it's not ready and because of all the pushback that some employees have given. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just so tired.
1: <laughs> okay, so Ming-Chi Kuo says, now, Apple isn't very optimistic about the ARMR headset announcement recreating the astounding iPhone moment. The mass production schedule for assembly has been pushed back by another one to two months to mid to late third quarter 2023. The delay also adds uncertainty to whether the new device would be revealed during WWDC.
0: Wes, I can't even. I can't even anymore with the headset stuff.
1: Consider the source. Anytime you read any of these rumors, anytime you read anything about the VR headset and how disappointed everyone is and how expensive it is and how Tim Cook is being a a big bully and making it come out anyway, even though it's not ready. These guys are are good at what they do. They find information. They they put it out there. But a lot of times the people willing to talk are the people with a problem. And Mm. Yeah. Yes. The top 100 executives were probably were shown the Apple AR mixed reality headset, whatever. And at least one or two of them probably said, huh, that's weird. (laughs) And some guy who is really mad that Tim Cook wants to put this thing out, went to Mark Garmin and said, they're really upset and they don't like it. And they said, it's bad. And all it takes is one person having a poor opinion. And then suddenly everyone thinks everyone has a poor opinion. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it really just reflects your own biases. Mm. Yeah. If you go to the press with this information, usually you have an agenda right. because Apple is super secret and these employees work really hard on these products. They don't want them leaking out. And I don't think it was one of the top 100 executives telling tales out of school here. I think understand that these stories are fun and they add to the conversation, but generally speaking, they're 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 probably wrong or exaggerated. And uh, I, I tend to take them with a grain of salt myself.
0: Yeah, and if you want like the true inside story, you're going to have to wait 15 to 20 years when someone writes a book who was working at Apple at this period now in 2022 and 2023. And then you'll be able to, I think, get a better picture of what actually is going on behind the scenes. Another great example I've mentioned it before on the show is Ken Casienda's book, Creative Selection. He worked on the iPhone keyboard and then the iPad keyboard before launch. And he has lots of stories about what was actually happening inside the walls of Apple at the time, but you're not going to hear about it for like 15 years until after today. So all grains of salt. And I, I don't even, I don't know if I'm 50, 50 anymore about this reality headset coming WWDC. I'm like, Twenty percent chance, maybe. So we'll see. That's that's all for the VR headset. Again, we'll see. We'll know in a couple of months. June fifth is what two two ish months away. Yeah, and uh, then we'll it's finally be able to tell. It's not coming. It's <laughs> not coming. It's not coming. Let's go through some other actual news. I wanted to talk about this Apple Gangnam store. It's opening in South Korea March thirty first. So as you listen to this podcast uh, today, at Apple session is going to feature K-pop group New Jeans, which is cool. But Apple, again, is just outdoing themselves with store design. This thing looks incredible, like it's a beautiful store. One thing I really love, and I don't know if newer Apple stores all have this area, but you'll see in their newsroom article in the pictures, it shows like a dedicated pickup area. So if you buy in the Apple store app for pickup, like same day, you can go and pick up your stuff. I love that there's like a dedicated table and area for this. I know my Apple store in the Brandon Mall, Florida, there's no like dedicated pickup area. So when you do buy something and you go there at 2 p.m. whenever your reserve time is, you just kind of have to like wander around and find an Apple store employee and then tell them you're picking up and they'll run to the back and get it. But I love this dedicated pickup area. And just everything about the store looks amazing. So
1: the pickup area is definitely um, something they learned is a good thing to have during COVID because they built the uh, express lanes. Right, right. Those worked really well. And I think they're going to start putting these in more stores. I like the design. I like the wood aesthetic. I like how Apple's been doing this in more places lately. We don't need trees. The trees are fun, but um, I I like this better. (laughs) You don't
0: like the life? You don't like the life of green trees?
1: Uh, I want want you to say the store name one more time as Floridian as you can.
0: Now, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) it's an apple gangnam gangnam
1: well it's in south korea i believe it's gangnam but um, uh like uh have you never have you never heard the song gangnam style
0: yeah i thought it was gangnam style
1: yeah (laughs)
0: oh no uh, this is what hey, all the tweets at me this week is just gonna be about this one <laughs> this word, one word. Even uh, i might be about wrong i don't news. know i, no, I mean, you're probably right i mean it looks more phonetically like you're saying it like gangnam
1: gong gong yeah there, it's a long a gangnam i would style. like
0: i would like to issue an official apology to all <laughs> everyone in south korea to apple uh, to my mom i'm just i'm sorry for everything and uh, i don't know how to pronounce this word uh, you could send me, listen, you send me a little of like memo, voice memo clip. We have a HomeKit Insider listeners do this. Uh, I forget his name, but every time we talk about an Ikea product, which has like an accent that neither Andrew or I know how to say, he'll, he'll send me like a little like voice memo of how to pronounce it. We'll play it in the next. I will play it in the next episode of the Apple Insider podcast. If you know actually how to correctly pronounce it, don't just send me random pronunciation. Send me the correct one and I'll, I'll insert it into the show.
1: It it looks like a fun store and uh definitely cool. wish we w- had more in the United States. Agreed. I know we have a lot of news to get to but I had a question for you Stephen about Oh yeah, yeah. about Apple stores. One one of the things that uh the WWDC, the in-person aspects, uh, being able to be a developer and go in-person and ask questions. They Apple built this Apple Developer Center to kind of give developers year-round access to some engineers and some training and stuff like that. What if Apple started making their Apple stores into miniature developer centers? Do you think that would appeal to uh, people? They have like 300 of these things in the United States.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I feel like, you know, Apple's been doing this interesting thing where they're offering more virtual sessions, both to developers and then even more recently to podcast creators. You can actually book like one-on-one virtual video sessions, I assume like over FaceTime. And so that's cool that that's available to people. But I do think the in-person aspect would be really cool. I don't know the amount of Apple stores in the United States, like their physical size, like their footprint, how conducive it can be to like having... Largest groups, but I imagine stores like in New York City, Los Angeles, Miami. I feel like it, it'd be cool.
1: I would assume if this, something like this happened, it would be limited to the ones that are the specialized large stores because those generally have conference rooms in the back. Right, right. Um, the the mall stores do not have conference rooms. <laughs> I, I just I just like the idea of Apple using more of their retail space for more things because the town square aspect uh, that uh, Angela Arnts uh, introduced was. It was never going to be a social experience and i think they went the wrong angle like if i was there and in charge today i would lean more into the sessions and developer aspect i mean and the sessions are cool i've been there when they're going on i've never actually attended a session mostly because guess they just a lot of the yeah. ones that were there when i was when i was around didn't appeal to me yeah i mean i didn't want to go on a photo walk in norfolk virginia it's not very pretty <laughs> um i mean there there's some cool spots but the downtown the downtown mall in that area is just uh you walk outside and it's a concrete jungle yeah but yeah it's it, it the sessions and stuff are cool. I don't really understand the people that attend those, how they discover it. Like, I I, I want to meet people who do these things yeah. without being part of the Apple Sphere listening to podcasts all day long. I mean, how do you find <laughs> out about it? How do you get there? I just, I just want to understand.
0: I, I almost wonder if they geared in more towards advanced users and use cases, if they would actually have more of a turnout. Because I feel like people like us, heavy Apple users... If we're going to order a product, it's going to be on launch day or shortly after we order it online, it ships to our house. Like we have little reason to go into an Apple store, but if I heard that they were having like an advanced podcast creator session at a local Apple Apple store, like I would be curious about that or like advanced final cut techniques for video editors. I almost wonder if that would appeal to more of an audience that would actually go in person and be like, all right, I'm going to check this out
1: at a bare minimum. It would act as a networking venture. So like, uh, come and meet yeah, your, yeah. your, your contemporaries, come meet the people who are doing the same thing as you in your area. I mean, yeah. could you imagine like talking to the, uh, alligator podcaster in Florida? I don't know what they talk about down there. <laughs> um, at your Brandon Apple store. Wow.
0: Um, <laughs> you're making fun of me over a gangam, and, uh, you're over here. I mean, that's, that's a stereotype. I've been to, to Brandon.
1: Alligators. It's um, it's fun to drive through on your way to uh, the beach. Um. <laughs>
0: it's very busy. It's very busy in Brandon. It is it's very, very busy. busy. Yeah. Very busy. But anyway, I'll put a link. Look at the pictures of the store. That's pretty fun. Apple Pay Later is now officially official, kind of. Apple said that Apple Pay Later is available to select users. So it is not widely available yet. Seems like they're rolling it out slowly. It is out there for some. I have not seen it. Apparently, if you want to use Apple Pay Later, which the system would be like for payment installments if you're going to purchase something. If you go through this process, Apple Pay Later actually has this application in the Wallet app you would do on your phone, and they do a soft credit pull to help ensure that the user is in good financial position. So there is kind of a slight check to make sure that like you're good with credit or whatever. And loan amounts apparently are only 50 to $1,000. So if you're hoping to buy a $10,000 Mac Pro in Apple Pay Later payments, that's not gonna happen.
1: I don't know where that fifty to thousand dollars is coming from because I believe that was the limits during the um, retail employees were testing it oh, I see. previously, and that number was thrown around. And I believe that was used during the testing period and maybe during this initial rollout, sure, but I don't think that's gonna always be the case. It's gonna be just like the Apple card where it's gonna just be based on your, your credit history and whatnot. Hmm. And I didn't re- I didn't realize this, but it kind of dawned on me looking at Apple's promotional material. This is going to be yet another card. It'll show up as a card called Apple Pay Later inside of the wallet app. It's not going to be underneath like the – because right now if you uh – pay for something in installments on with the apple card you have to go in the apple card you have to go to an installment section and view them there and i at first mm. for some reason i thought oh apple pay later is just going to be here no uh this is actually going to be its own completely separate tab in the wallet app which i think is smart but yeah I, I i know i asked you this before but uh are you gonna are you gonna use apple pay later and what are you gonna buy what's your first purchase with apple pay later
0: i will probably not use it i will I'm curious how the iPhone upgrade program will work if Apple will move from the Citizens One loan thing. That is what you do if you do, at least here in the U.S., if you do the iPhone upgrade program. I do utilize that program. And that's really the only monthly payment thing that I'm doing to Apple, but it's not really to Apple. So I'm curious if this Apple Pay later, maybe not this year, maybe it's too soon to have this official by September, but if future iPhone installments get moved to this, then I'll probably use it for that if I keep doing it. But
1: if you want to buy your iPhone in four payments, this is a completely separate that's true, system. That's true. It is built to be a four payment program. If you are buying a $10,000 object, you're going to pay four payments of $2,500, right? Yeah. I, I just don't how dangerous this one is again its all comes down to personal control me i think i'll use it just for fun maybe I'll buy a pair of Adams shoes or something just uh just at Adams they're good shoes
0: oh i love those yeah yeah they're fun uh,
1: but yeah like uh maybe I'll buy something silly like that just to try out the program see the ins and outs of it i'm not really too worried about a uh credit pool for something like that and uh yeah something to check out
0: All right, well, this past week, iOS 16.4 and all the updates for iPad, TV, Mac, it is all out now. And we've talked about some of the features before. HomeKit architecture upgrade, if you did not do it previously, that's now available to you. There are new emojis, which is why most people update their iOS software. Safari web push notifications, so websites can send you notifications without having an app on your phone new like beta menu options. So if you want to opt into like public or developer betas, if you are a developer, you have like better control over that rather than having to install profiles and such. You kind of have that right in the settings app. But the two things I wanted to focus on screen time and then also some of the new shortcuts actions, but also one of the other features is the Apple Care coverage overview. You know, before you can kind of see what your Apple Care coverage was across your devices by, going to them specifically, but it looks like now that there's a new menu, I'm actually trying to find it on my iPhone right now. So if you go to the settings app in iOS 16.4, you go to general and you go to about and then click coverage, it would previously show you just the coverage for the device that you're on. But now it actually shows you all the devices that you have Apple Care on, and it'll tell you which has it expired. Which I didn't realize my kids' AirPods uh, coverage expired. But I also see like my AirPods Pro 2 are on here. I'll see my Apple Watch. Like you'll see all the different Apple Care coverages, and you can have it all at a glance. You can tap the different devices, see when it is, and just nicely displayed in one place. You can kind of manage all of that, and you can even manage the plans. If you have one of the month-to-month Apple Care payment plans, you can manage that. Here in this settings app. So that's a, another cool addition.
1: This is uh, per device, it seems, because on my iPad, I only see my AirPods and my iPad. On my iPhone, yeah. I see the Apple Watch and iPhone and AirPods. So I think it's whatever is paired to that plus the device itself.
0: Yeah, I know, you're right. On the bottom, it says coverage is only shown for this iPhone and Bluetooth paired devices that can be covered by Apple Care Plus for a full list of your devices, go to Apple support. So that's why I see my watches and AirPods and all that, but you are right. Yeah. If you want to see your iPad coverage, like I can't see my iPad pro in here, I would have to go to that device. Can't wait for
1: Apple to uh, expand into car and home insurance, maybe a life insurance policy,
0: (laughs) Apple car care. Plus
1: I bring that up just because it's again, they're expanding everything, right? So if you look at every business that they're in right now, imagine how they can grow that business. (laughs) And you just look at Apple care and like, what's, what else can they do there? Um, yeah it made me think of uh they ran a promotion lemonade insurance right is that it Maybe. yeah li- so yeah it was, well it was lemonade and they ran it when uh, luck came out and it was just a, a promotion saying get lemonade insurance they didn't really get you anything they were just promoting it for some reason mm. and i'm just like what if apple like bought lemonade and i couldn't get the insurance turns out because my car is too old i didn't know that was a thing oh. I didn't know that some insurance companies gate you based on what age your car is. Um,
0: Interesting. Anyway, some of the other updates, I want to get to a couple of shortcuts actions, but for focus filters, I actually struggled to find this at first, but if you go to your focus filters... So if you have an evening focus, let me go into that. You know, you can add the people who can contact you during this focus mode, the apps to send you notifications, customize what home screens appear on your devices and Apple Watch. Focus filters, you can choose what email accounts, Fantastical integrates here, but you can also choose when your always on display is always on or not. And I didn't find it at first after I updated to 16.4, but you have to tap add filter down there at the very bottom of your focus mode settings. And then you get all the apps that currently integrate with focus filters. I'm now seeing just now for the first time, 1Password, I guess is integrated with focus filters now. So you can choose which 1Password accounts or collections is the default. During certain focus modes, Timery also has something and tick, tick, but down in system filters, you can set the appearance light or dark mode. You can turn on low power mode and you can also adjust your always on display per focus mode. So I'm gonna try and rock the always on display again. I've had it off since I've had my 14 Pro, but I'm gonna try and do the always on display during the day and then during my evening focus mode and maybe my weekend focus mode, leave always on display off. And now you can actually do that per focus mode, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, this is just surfacing the setting that automatically toggled in the sleep focus. Um, your always-on display would turn off if you were in, ever in the sleep focus, because that was one of the predetermined Apple system focuses. Right. And this just lets you do it manually per focus, and that, that's fine. Um, I still have never turned my always-on display off, because um, I actually... You like, you like it? I like it. Yeah, I, I, I gained something from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's a lot of fun things that you can do with focus filters, I like filtering my emails. I like filtering uh, yes. different apps. Love it. Apple, please just put every setting in here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I know
0: it, it, they're adding them slowly.
1: You know, it'd be amazing uh, for focus modes. Apple Music uh, algorithm. Let me toggle whether or not I'm affecting the algorithm uh, using a focus. Yeah, filter. I know you
0: really want that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like when I, when I go into sleep mode turn off any possible detection of the algorithm so that I can do whatever I want with my music and not have to hear sleep sounds in my recommendations for the next six years.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. Well, but also some other shortcut actions in 16.4, the silence unknown callers toggle, which if you don't know about that, it is an amazing feature. You can actually toggle that via shortcut. The always on display is also in a shortcut, but my new favorite shortcut action (laughs) Because I have kids, I use intercom all the time across the home pods across my house. And there are some things that I do pretty regularly, like saying dinner is ready or brush your teeth and go to bed. Like all these things I used to broadcast to specific home pods. And it was a little bit of a chore. You can use Siri. That wasn't 100% accurate. So I would typically go to the home app on my phone, go to the room, hit the little waveform, and then do the intercom. Well, now I've created a shortcut where when I hit it, a menu appears asking, which command I would like to broadcast to the HomePods. And if it's dinner is ready, I can just tap that and Siri will announce across all the HomePods of the house that dinner is ready and I don't have to say anything or do anything, it's just Siri's voice that's doing it. I have some commands for intercom just for in my kids' rooms and I can tap that in the shortcut and I don't have to mess with speaking to Siri or mess with the home app. All of it is just in a shortcut menu that I created and it is wonderful. So love that intercom shortcut action. It's, it's the best.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's a good shortcut to add to like a home screen widget or something like that.
0: Yes. And I, have a, I actually have two shortcut widgets in my slide over page. I don't know if they still call that the today view or what is that? What do you call that page when you swipe to the left? Today, right?
1: Yeah, today view, I believe.
0: Yeah, that that one. It's
1: slowly dying.
0: No, I hope it doesn't die cuz I put a bunch of widgets over like I actually have a bunch of shortcuts that I like to run Over on there, and I love just being able to swipe over and tap it rather than have home screen real estate be taken up by widgets for shortcuts. Well,
1: there's some widgets that only work here. I have two widgets here. uh, Pcalc, it's a working calculator. I can type into it because you can't do that on the home screen. And HomeCam, I can view all of my cameras, my HomeKit security cameras in this slide overview, just right. with, with a swipe, my live view of those cameras, like that's... I had
0: that too. Yeah. Home cam is great.
1: Yeah. Like those are really handy uh, features and I hope it doesn't go away.
0: <laughs> I hope it doesn't die. Don't kill it, Apple. Leave that today view page. I like it. This episode is brought to you by Factor Meals. Power up for springtime with Factor, America's number one ready to eat meal kit. Get nutritious chef prepared meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list. Guys, I have gotten several Factor meals boxes, purchased some with my own money, and I just love the convenience of being able to grab one of these meals out of the fridge. I put it in the toaster oven for seven minutes. You can also do it in the microwave for about two minutes, and it's just ready that quickly, and they are delicious. I have some quiche Lorraines for breakfast, have some chicken, bacon, ranch dishes for lunch, and they're all great. With Factor, you can skip the trip to the grocery store, skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are just ready in two minutes in the microwave. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Factor has delicious flavor-packed meals to help you live to the fullest. You can choose from keto, that's the boxes that I got, vegan and veggie, calorie-smart, protein-plus options, all on the menu each week, prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. And with 34 chef-prepared, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Enjoy meals for any time of day with breakfast options like egg bites, smoothies, I've had a few of their smoothies, really love those, and more. If you want to cut back on takeout, get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. So head to factormeals.com slash appleinsider50 and use the promo code appleinsider50, all one word, to get 50% off your first box. That's code appleinsider 50 at factormeals.com slash Apple Insider 50 to get 50% off your first box. And that link is in the show notes. You can just click it there. Our thanks to Factor Meals for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Collide. Collide has big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How do they do it? If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero-trust architecture, which is device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date, unsecured devices, are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. So visit collide.com slash Insider to learn more or book a demo. That's k-o-l-i-d-e.com/appleinsider. slash Apple Insider. That link is in the show notes. So you can just click it there. Our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. Bemoaned screen time and how buggy it was previously. So now that 16.4 is out, I had my entire family update like day of. I sent a group text. I said, update all your things. Is screen time better? Maybe in 16.4. I will say that requests seem to be approved more consistently once all my kids devices were running 16.4. If I want to approve a screen time request on the Mac, It is now acknowledged that it doesn't work in messages, which is the default place. There's actually an open in system settings button now that appears, which is really odd and also doesn't work, but that's a thing that's changed. From my iPhone and my Apple Watch, it feels like requests have been more consistent, but viewing screen time information and adjusting screen time settings like content restrictions, whether it's specific websites or if I'm trying to go in and view activity for my kid's screen time. Anytime I try to go to past day, which is already kind of awkward. Like you have to go to the specific person, go to see all activity. Then you can see how much hours they've spent on whatever apps per day. If you hit the back arrow to view like yesterday for a split second, it'll show the data and then it jumps back to today. And if I tap it again, it'll go to two days ago for a split second and then jumps back to today. There's actually no way to view past days activity because it's just buggy, like on all my devices. Like I literally right now try to hit the back button and take a screenshot as quick as I can just to get a picture of the past days because it's just so buggy and it still doesn't work great. So screen time requests, maybe a little better now, not so on the Mac, on the Mac screen time requests are still broken and seeing activity data is still not great. So uh, hopefully it, it still gets fixed. Maybe 16.5 will be another bug fix.
1: Yeah, but if you're out there and you don't have screen time enabled and you're doing family sharing with some kids, go enable screen time. Go I screen know time. it's I know it's buggy, but it will save you. I, I promise it will save you. Yes, it is. Them kids are tricky. They, they're tricky. <laughs> uh,
0: kids are tricky.
1: I wrote a story recently oh. uh, about a kid spending. Well, so normally we, we write these stories and it's like, kid spends $500,000 on Fortnite skins or something stupid. Well, this one I wanted to cover because it was, it. It hit a little closer to home because of how easy it was for this to happen. A mm. kid spent eight hundred dollars on Roblox, right? Oof. And that is still a significant amount of money, especially on something as yes. you know silly as Rob as Roblox. And this kid, yes. um, he was old enough to know better. He didn't fully understand where the money was coming from. Apparently, he was at at that age range. I think he was maybe ten years old. He didn't fully comprehend that this was a significant amount of money or whatever he he figured out the scam that everyone did not hear about until like three weeks ago so maybe he read an article i don't know uh the the thing where people are uh shoulder surfing passcodes and then using the passcode to reset the apple id password yes well this mother th- thought she was savvy she told me herself she owned multiple apple products she thought she was savvy in this way she had the kid set up with a password they were on fan they were on family sharing but she did not she was not aware of screen time mm. period so she had him set up so password set no touch id to approve purchases must enter password every time a purchase is made which honestly should be enough but did not know that all he needed was his device passcode, which he knew because it's his device, yeah. went in, changed his Apple ID by saying, forgot my password, and reset his Apple ID password, and then was able to make as many Roblox purchases as he wanted. And she didn't catch it until it was too late because he just made multiple in succession. And I don't know if the conclusion of that story. The last thing I know is that she re- requested a refund, which she should get because Apple's usually good about that stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, and that's the one setting in screen time when you set it for... Kids in the content and privacy restrictions, you have the ability to disable or mark as don't allow account changes. And if you mark don't allow account changes, then the whole iCloud settings area that's at the top of the settings menu is grayed out and it's not clickable. Like they actually can't even get into any of that iCloud stuff, which is where you would go to reset your iCloud password. And so just for that setting alone, you know, enable screen time and say, don't allow
1: kids. Kids are crafty. I mean, we've discussed it before. There's, there's so many methods, uh, and there are always new ones coming up because the kids are finding new ways to get around. It's on YouTube. Like if the, if your kid has YouTube, yeah. Uh, eventually a random video is going to pop up and it's going to tell them how to steal your property, your identity, and like <laughs> move to California. Yeah. Like <laughs> they're going to build take a o- time
0: machine, take all your belonging. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so
1: it just keep in mind, Screen time, yes. Turn it on. It's a great tool. But it isn't foolproof. Nothing will ever beat parental supervision and control. Know what your kids are doing. Yeah. Keep an eye yeah, on them because yeah. uh, they will try to take over the world if you let them.
0: <laughs> Pinky in the brain. <laughs> One other thing that came out in 16.4, and this I wasn't even aware of this until the news came out, but Apple Pencil Hover, there's apparently Tilt and Azimuth support for Apple Pencil Hover which is only available on the M2 iPad Pro right now, debuted with that device. The Apple director of input experience had an interview with TechCrunch saying that if you use something like Procreate now with the Apple Pencil Hover, you can do tilt. It'll affect that. And also azimuth, which is like the rotation around a center point I guess that will actually be readable by Apple Pencil hover.
1: I love this part of the story. So this was broken by TechCrunch. They did an interview with a couple of a- Apple executives. Brian Heater wrote the article, and he just straight up said, "I have no idea what azimuth is. My graphic designer doesn't know what azimuth is. So I'm pasting in an Oxford like dictionary definition of azimuth, yeah. and just moving on from it." <laughs>
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I will include this image as the chapter art as you're listening, but it shows like a sphere, basically, and the kind of movements that are azimuth yeah and so yeah maybe you could figure it out from there
1: i specifically went and found this image i was surprised TechCrunch did to include something like this but i went and found this image specifically because it's like it, it is an understandable concept but saying it out loud or writing it in text like describing what it is is difficult it's like all right so if your point of a triangle your left arm is the going to the north pole of the globe and your right arm is the line that is perpendicular to an object in the sky the far corner is the azimuth, <laughs> and it's like what? Yeah, yeah you cake. have to see it. You have to see it in a drawing.
0: <laughs> piece of cake. Yeah, you really do need to see it. So that that is the chapter art. Glance over as you're listening, and uh, you could see that.
1: What's cool about this? If you have a 2 iPad previously, it would preview what was underneath the uh, Apple Pencil, but only as the strictest. Version of it, like straight down. Um, now, right, right. the preview acknowledges exactly what the marking is going to look like when you put your pencil down. So, if you're tilting your pencil and you're going to be shading rather than drawing, it'll show that shade mark rather than just the pencil tip. It's a it's a very big difference, especially if you're you're previewing stuff in like a drawing app like Procreate. So, yeah, it's a cool feature.
0: Yeah, that is cool. Also, 16.5 Beta 1 has already come out. Not a ton of changes here. There's a new Sports tab in the News app and a new Siri command that'll let you start and stop a screen recording which is pretty cool. Like you could go to the control center, just tap recording and it'll do it. But now just being able to ask Siri to start it and stop it, that's pretty cool. Hopefully there's more bug changes and bug fixes in 16.5 than feature additions. I feel like 16.4 was a big like feature addition update. Hopefully 16.5 is more bug fixes, but nice to see those two features.
1: The the Siri control is interesting because it is in shortcuts. They added the voice commands, but you can't, you can't execute a screen recording from shortcuts, which seems like an obvious next step. The sports tab has always been there. I almost didn't write about this, but I didn't realize that this was a bottom bar tab it has a sports button now. it is dedicated right. They removed a tab bar, uh, button to insert it. And I, uh, I don't think as many people caught this, but the search button and the following button have now merged. It is the same uh, category on the far right side. So yeah. when you click on that, you have a search. Cert- like, I don't, I, I think that makes sense. There's a search bar at the top of your following tab. That's simple, yeah. but yeah, the sports tab, I believe is going to be a big deal because, um, there's a lot of apps dedicated to sports and sports news. And if anyone buys an iPhone and opens the Apple news app and sees that there, they'll never need to download anything else. I've used it to keep track of, <laughs> A couple of things. It's really handy. It has yeah. all of your teams you're following front and center, the previous game scores, all of the current news. Like it's really well done. Smart.
0: There you go. All right. Last piece of news before I want to talk about Apple Music Classical. SOS satellite feature is now available in six more countries in Austria, Belgium, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, and Portugal. So it is now US, Canada, and those countries. Still no word on how much this might cost after the initial like two year grace period. When Apple announced this, They said, you know, everyone's going to have it kind of included with the purchase of your iPhone, but that it would be a charge eventually and no word yet on what that charge would be per month or year or whatever. So.
1: If I had to guess the charge is going to be an after the fact cost. So you're not I mean maybe you can pay for like a monthly plan or something if you plan on getting lost somewhere. But if I understand it this is always a capability. Like so if you have a phone that isn't connected to Verizon or anything, you can dial 911. It's always getting signal from a cell tower. Just cuz you don't right. uh, as long as you have a phone you can call like not emergency services. That's like a law in the United States. Right. I'm assuming that this works the same way. It has the capability of contacting a satellite, getting emergency help, and you're just going to get a bill after the fact for something, it's probably not going to be overly expensive. It'll probably be more than you think. I mean, you know, Maybe it's a hundred bucks for one call. I don't know. Again, that was just a guess. I, I really don't know. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. if I had to guess, this is going to be just for that. You're not going to pay a cellular plan or whatever for your satellite phone.
0: The news story would be horrendous if someone actually was lost at sea needed to use satellite sos and the pop-up said you don't have you're not signed up and you can't sign up because you don't have data so tough luck like i can't imagine that story
1: well i wonder how this works too because there is that one other feature everyone forgets exists of you can share your location you don't have to make an emergency call you can like send your location to someone using the satellite data so maybe there is some sort of like add on to like your, cause it's not through Verizon or something. You have to pay a specific company. I don't know. It's just, it, it'll be interesting to see how that's implemented for sure. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I want to round up the show talking about Apple music classical. The app officially launched internationally. Some users were getting it Monday and I was feverishly opening the app store, trying to look for it. I got it around 11 PM Monday night. Uh friend Pablo, he actually told me like, Hey, I think it's available. And so I played with it for several hours, Monday evening and Tuesday working through it. Number one, I, I really think, Apple did a great job gearing this app towards classical music. I think the search functionality, the ability to organize your library by composer and works and recordings, searching by composer works and recordings, like all of that works really well. Lots of thought going into the now playing screen. You know, if you look at a classical work, I use like Gustav Holt's The Planets Suite. If you look at like the Jupiter movement, you play that in the regular or stock Apple Music app, you know, the title is so long, it does this weird scrolling thing on the now playing page and you can't like see the whole title at once. That simple thing is in the Apple Classical Music app, then you see the whole title and you don't have to have this weird scrolling, long title kind of thing, which is great. And searching for something like Mozart's Lacrimosa, part of the Requiem. If you search in Apple Music, it'll like show artists called Lacrimosa that are definitely not classical artists and stuff like that. And it might be kind of hard to distinguish which is the classical work I'm looking for. The Apple Music Classical does a great job of recognizing, oh, that's part of Mozart's Requiem, which is a work. And it shows that search result right at the top. Composer name has great pages for each composer, a nice page shows their most popular works. And I love that when you tap a work like Mozart's Requiem, the app will show you here's an editor's pick recording, and then here are the popular recordings. Because one of the things with classical music, as this music has been around for hundreds of years, there's many, many recordings from like the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and recent. And the recordings are very different representations of the work. I made a playlist I'll include it in the show notes for this episode. And some of my favorite pieces is Mozart's Requiem, the Moldau by Smetana, and all that kind of stuff. And different recordings sound very different. And I listened to multiple to put my favorite in the playlist. And I think that's great that the app knows that different recordings of the same work matter, different orchestras performing the same work matters, and the app does a great job distinguishing all of that. It's not perfect. There's some weirdness when it comes to playlists. You can make a playlist in the Classical Music app. That playlist is available in your regular Music app, but what's weird is you can't share it from the Apple Music Classical app. Like, there's no share button. So if you're looking at a playlist in Apple Music Classical, you can't share it from there. You have to go over to your regular Music app, and then you can share that same playlist. Also, if you add a song in the stock music app that's not found in the classical app, and I ran into this by adding like a film score track that I guess is not in the classical app. Once you add that track, you you can no longer edit that playlist in the classical app. You'll see this little pop-up show and it'll say, because you have non-classical tracks in this playlist, you have to edit this playlist in apple music and then gives you a link to jump over there that's kind of a weird behavior and i also wish i could share a playlist not only from the classical app but that sharing it from there means my recipient whoever i'm texting it to will actually have it open in their apple classical app rather than their music app and those who tried opening a playlist link that i sent them it goes directly to the default music app and there's no way to like force it open in the classical app. So. Little unfortunate, those kind of like playlist sharing things. And also, no iPad app. You can download the iPhone app on iPad. And I was I was excited because I had my iPad. I opened the app store and right there on the homepage, because Apple is really pushing the classical app. You know, they have a TV commercial going, they have like ads going. I opened the app store on my iPad, I looked and Apple Music Classical was right there, front and center, on my iPad, and then when I opened it, it was just the iPhone app and it just blown up. And that's unfortunate. I feel like if you're gonna put the app on the iPad, but it's the iPhone version, like maybe formatted for iPad at least by launch. But hopefully that's coming soon. Maybe even a Mac app. I don't know how likely that is, but at least an iPad app would be nice. But overall, I really love it. I've been listening to some of my old favorites. It helped me discover new favorites and new recordings. There is an awesome browse tab and you can browse by instrument. So I was able to go to trumpet and I could view some of my favorite works like the Haydn trumpet concerto and it showed me different recordings I had not heard of. And I was able to discover those, which was really fun. And one of the best things they put in the app is right on the homepage, there is a intro to classical. I forget exactly what the, oh, the story of classical. And it's basically, I think eight or nine, like 45 minute episodes, I guess you could call it. And they have a narrator talking about classical music, explaining it. They'll play portions of works while they're talking about it, telling you what to listen for. He was talking about the different time periods like Baroque and Romantic. And it was really great. And so if you want to learn about classical music or have an introduction to it to help you develop an appreciation for it, that story of classical that they have in the classical app is really incredible. So highly recommend that.
1: Yeah, that would have been great in middle school.
0: Yes, it's really great. I mean, Um, educational. Yeah. And I've listened, I've taken many music classes. I had music history and composing in college and all that. And I really do think they did a great job of breaking it down, talking about how classical is kind of a misnomer because there's different periods of music and classical was a single period. And then you had Baroque and Romantic. Well, Baroque was before classical. But anyway, you have all these different time periods and talking about the weirdness of 20th century classical music, which is super weird, but it's really cool. And so uh, kudos. It's fun.
1: It's very interesting. I've heard from people that there's still issues like how playlists are organized. If you play song like an album or something
0: the movements
1: <laughs> yeah there we like, go so if your movement 1 right. through 4 yeah they're played as if they're songs and they stop and start there's no fade they you know it's there's mm-hmm. a lot of oddities in here that um don't still still don't play well without uh classical music listeners uh so hopefully that gets fixed over time but it is definitely a good first step for what Apple wants to do with this and i hope this isn't one of those apps that they just release and never touch again I really hope we see more development. Um, I purposefully went, I, I wrote the release story about this app. So when it came out, I, I uh, did the screenshots and everything and put it on our website saying, Hey, it's out. This is what it looks like. I specifically went to settings and took a screenshot and put it on our story to show that there are no settings for this app. <laughs> it's so annoying to me because I, I want to use this app. I want to enjoy it. There's some things about it that are interesting um, I want to get into uh, trying out different pieces of music and listening. I, I want to try like they have a, a classical sleep playlist. Like um I, I yeah. want I want to integrate this into shortcuts. I want to yeah. have um my kitchen home pod start playing classical at four PM every day or something. You know, like I want Ooh, I want I want to be yeah. able to do like really fun, interesting things. None of that's possible right now. Yeah. And on top of that, because this is so deeply integrated with Apple Music's app. If I add something, so I went through. I found I found a few composers I know about. Like I, I immediately went and found a Nobu- Nobuo Uematsu, <laughs> who does the uh, soundtracks for Final Fantasies. Like a legend, um, he has been doing this forever, and all of his music is perfect and amazing. And it when it's orchestrated, it's even better. And he has uh, a lot of orchestrated works. And I immediately followed him. Uh, in the classical app and found some music and added it to my library and guess what it's now in my apple music and i'm like fun i like this i want to listen to it but i just i feel like there should be a separation for those of us who want separation because i feel like there's two different kinds of people here yeah and apple's only appealing to the one so the the one kind of person is maybe like you steven who your classical music tastes are integrated in your musical taste so you want it to show up mm, right. in your in your apple music collection you want it to show up when you're casually listening to music but when i'm casually listening to music i want to hear my favorite contemporary artists i want to hear my favorite pop you know rap or rock or whatever artists together in a collection not to be spliced in with a uh zelda's lullaby and, from a video game <laughs> and uh then followed by you know beethoven's whatever and then and then suddenly we're back to paramore like i, I don't want that in a playlist and yeah. and for some yeah. reason Apple music's algorithms like here's your now your' up next or your your uh, playlist or your uh, favorites playlist and it does that and it's like jarring and strange yeah. and there's something there that Apple please do something about this give me a toggle give me a control let me exclude entire genres of music from my recommendations. I know I'm probably the only person on the planet who cares about this. I don't know, but it just seems strange to me. At the bare minimum, let me say from Apple Music app, enrich my algorithm and add to my listening history. Yeah. Apple Music Classical do not, but because they're so intrinsically tied, I don't think that's even possible because I think if someone needs to examine the code and do this because I I don't know, I can't do I don't, yeah, I don't know, know how to do that. But if I had to guess, this is just a skin for apple music and it's pulling specific metadata from apple's libraries so it's able to say here's a song from apple music and then pull in additional information and reveal it to you um it's not actually its own collection it's not its own separate library or anything i don't think there's any way to separate the two and that that's sad
0: (laughs) it is unfortunate one of the other things i do like these ensemble playlists so the app does a good job of like separating out solos duets trios and so you could see all of that in different playlists and different sections two people on twitter pointed out b gilmore he said when you're browsing by instrument in that browse tab there's no tuba which is a shame because (laughs) tuba is a legit orchestra instrument and there are like full concertos for tuba so not sure why tuba wasn't included and then scott porch he wishes that there was more film scores available in the app. And there are film scores like you can even find Hans Zimmer, favorite him as a composer, listen to Interstellar. Go listen to the uh
1: amazing amazing last of us soundtrack for the hbo and then go listen to the oh, video yeah. game soundtrack because both are on here like stuff like that is here yeah
0: it is it is there it's just like unfortunately that in the browse tab like under catalog or playlist that film scores are seemingly to be omitted but this maybe is, that'll be added later this
1: is all day one stuff i think uh yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all gonna one. get knocked out again if they're developing it actively which i hope they are there's a few fun features you did mention the classical like uh school thing there's also track bo- track by track, which is where different artists play their music and then describe their music to you, so mm, that's that cool. that's a really interesting concept. Someone asked me on Mastodon because I was talking about it. Uh, I lo- I love the Alexis French yes radio show he does on Apple Music yes. I, I love listening to um his show because uh it's Classical con- Connections Radio yes. Uh, so he he takes a modern piece of music and then explains why maybe like uh it's inspired by classical music and where some of these m- things come from and it's a, it's just yeah. a fun show go listen to it and the apple music app <laughs> it's not in apple music classical right and it's like the one apple music radio show they have that's classical someone asked me it's like do they have any more it's like no sorry they the only uh, classical music anything related to it is Ale- alexis french and that's fine there's no radio tab yeah. in classical can you start Classical radio, you know what I mean. The the station, so there's no stations in here. So the the Pandora like stations are only in Apple Music. So I don't know. Interesting.
0: (laughs) And it's another weird thing is I opened the music app I think just yesterday, and Yo Yo Ma has this new video where he plays the Bach cello suites in like the forest. He's in like the mountain, like the Smoky Mountains, filmed by Austin Mann, who has literally been on the show, incredible photographer and videographer. And so it's these. Bach Cello Suites in this beautiful environment. The video is wonderful. Can't get it in the classical app. You have to go to the music app because I guess seemingly there's no like videos in the classical app just yet. I don't think so.
1: I don't think there's any video component. So if
0: you want to watch this amazing classical artist playing this classic Bach cello suite in the forest. You have to go to the music app. It's not an Apple Music Classical. It's a little weirdness.
1: I know we'll never learn, but I, I just want to know the decision making here. Why release it now in this form? Is this is is this the form forever? Are they gonna add features? Uh, I guess we'll just have to wait. A few weeks or a year yeah. it, it will wwdc reveal anything what's interesting about this app is it is an app store release which all apple apps are now people were surprised by this but um almost everything uh, is in the app store because um yeah a lot of regulators and stuff want this to, to happen so you can delete almost everything from your phone and you can download it from the, the mail, App Store. yeah
0: yeah notes you can delete all of that.
1: this isn't though a default app. So if you go buy a brand new iPhone and turn it on for the first time and and don't log in and just go straight to the home screen, classical will not be there. And no, that's interesting to me. Uh, Apple does have a few apps like this, but I wonder what this means for its update cycle. I am waiting for it to show up in my update queue in the App Store notes without a, a iOS update, if that's possible. If they're going to do that, I don't know.
0: Well, and it was interesting. The it was out. Well, no, I guess sixteen point four came out Monday.
1: So it is not tied to an OS release because. Uh, yeah, it's not tied to an OS The right, minimum right. OS, I believe, is like 15.6 or something like that.
0: Okay, yeah, so you can get it. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad, you know, there was that time period we thought, oh no, maybe it's not going to happen. So I'm glad it's out there. I've been enjoying it. Let us know what you think, listeners. I also want to, we don't have time for it today, but. I did review the sonos era 300 and 100 speakers we go in depth on the HomeKit insider episode that comes out this monday so listen to that if you want the full kind of my review both andrew and i's thoughts on it i tested pairs of both of those speakers the only kind of small spoiler i will say is homepod 2 is still pretty good even in light of these new sonos releases these massive speakers that are incredible sound really good HomePod 2s are still pretty great, too. So that's all I'll say. Listen to the HomeKit Insider episode on Monday. and Check that out. Also, don't forget about the Apple Insider Daily Podcast. You can subscribe to that. The link is in the show notes. the to top Apple headlines in just a few minutes every morning. And support the show to get the ad-free version and early access of this show at patreon.com slash appleinsider or directly in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.